weekend, and uh, we're in our last week of this series called Make Work Matter. And we want to say welcome to those of you watching the parent viewing room, too. That's a great place to go if you have little ones that get fussy during the service. Just pass our donuts and coffee. You'll find a room there where you can watch the service live with us. And right in your bulletin should be some message notes. Would you go ahead and grab those out right now along with your pen that you got? And we're going to do some fill-in-the-blanks, um, and you'll have something to take with you today. <clears throat> the last three weeks, uh, we've had different business leaders from Riverway talking to us about how we can make work matter. And Bruce shared about the power of attitude that we can have and how that changes the dynamic in our workplace. We had Stephanie that shared about insecurities at work and how we overcome those. And then lastly, uh, Cass Lundgren last week talked about our faith example and how, we can, how that can mesh into our work life. And I want to encourage you, if you missed any of those talks, you can get online at riverwaychurch.com and listen to those. And today we're going to wrap up, and it's just me today. And so... I'm going to apologize up front to any guests that we have today because you landed on the once or twice a year that we talk about giving financially to God, all right? And I know that all it's going to do is stir up the stereotypes that all the church wants is money. And so I'm going to apologize up front for that and uh, just let you know that if you've been around Riverway for any amount of time, you'll know that that isn't the case here. In fact, even in the last six months, we have, uh, we have given over $60,000 back into our community and so we pride ourselves in an involvement in our local community. Uh, second thing I would say is that if you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, today would not be a mandate for you. And so you can listen and take it all in. But as if you're not a follower, there's nothing required of you today. This would be only for people that have said, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Because as we're thinking about wrapping up this series, we have to talk about how work can matter by what we do with the money that we've worked so hard for. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to know that your money had purpose, right? Purpose beyond a house payment, the car payment, for food, for bowling, for Nickelback concert tickets. Uh, it, it would just be nice to know that your money had purpose beyond those things, right? And that's what we want to talk about today. And I find it incredibly interesting that Jesus talked more about money than he did any other subject in fact, Jesus talked more about money than he did anything about heaven or hell combined. Why is that? Why would Jesus go to such great lengths to talk to us about how we should handle our money? Well, I want to illustrate it uh, with this simple thing. So this is what I want you to do. I want everyone to take out their wallet. Will you do that for me? Go ahead and take out your wallet. Uh, reach into your purses or back pocket, or if you only have a checkbook, whatever you've got that represents your money. Come on, pull it out, everybody. Everybody, come on. This is not a ploy, don't worry. Come on. Everybody, pull out your wallets. We're not moving forward until everyone pulls out their wallets, so we might be here a while. Come on, come on. Everyone got them? Just kind of raise them in the air a little bit. Let me see them. Okay, let me see them. Everybody, everybody got your wallets? Awesome. Okay, I want you to take your wallet, and I want you to pass it to the person to the right. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. And if there's no one beside you, pass it in the row behind you. If there's no one to your right, pass it behind you. Okay, give your wallet away. Awesome. How are we feeling right now? All right, go ahead, pass the wallet one more time. Go ahead, pass it again. Pass it again. Go ahead. Pass it again. Yeah, we there? How are we feeling? I feel a little bit of anxiety in the room right now. Okay, go ahead, pass it one more time. Pass it one more time down the row. Perfect. <laughs> All right, pause. Hold those wallets. 
Now, the laughter that I'm hearing is a nervous laughter, all right? <laughs> this, this is not a true laughter. I'm noticing some nervous laughter here. You know why? Because every single one of us in this room are way more attached to our money than we even realize. We're way more attached to our stuff, even if we don't want to admit it. So wherever your wallets are right now, we're going to have the ushers come, and I want you to give like you've always wanted to give, okay? And so ushers, right? I'm just kidding. All right, pass back the wallets. All right, everyone get back your own wallet. Make sure you get it. Come on, pass them back. No funny business. No funny business. And you can put away your wallets. Put them away. Everybody got their wallets? Good. No fist fights broke out. That was good. Well, here's the very first fill-in on your notes. You see, Jesus talked more about money than anything else because he knew it had the potential to take his place in our lives as to what we trust in the most. Don't miss that because if you miss that, you're probably going to miss the whole talk today. Jesus talked about money more than anything else because he understood this. It had the ability and the power to take his place in our life as to what we trust in the most. And Jesus invites us into this conversation and actually gives us clear instruction about what we should do with our money. Have you ever wondered, what should I do with the money that I earn? Well, Jesus describes this in Matthew chapter 6, and we pick it up in verse 19, and it says this. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So just pause there for a minute. This is what Jesus is saying. I want you with part of your money to invest in something that no one else can take away. Right? And what is the one thing in heaven that no one else can take? It would be the human soul. Right? People that find God. Jesus is saying, I want you to invest part of your income into making sure as many people can go to heaven as possible. Don't just invest all of your money on toys and cars and houses. These are the things that will burn to the ground, and one day when you're dead, you won't even care about. Jesus said, I want you to take part of this money and invest it back into my kingdom because Jesus said, here's the correlation, that wherever your treasure is, there your heart will follow. And Jesus has never been after your treasure. He's always been after our hearts. And he knows if we can move the best part of our treasure to kingdom stuff and heaven stuff, he's saying, I know your heart will move in that same direction, and I want your heart and mind to be focused on eternal things, not just temporal things. So this is what Jesus is after. And then he continues with this. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of what? Light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? For no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so here's something really interesting. Jesus starts this passage by talking about where you should lay up your treasures, and then he ends with the warning that you can't serve God in money. But sandwiched in between these two things is this really weird verse about our eyes. And let me just read that part one more time. It says in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Well, here, let me just break this down a little bit. Jesus is saying this, and it's your next fill-in. How you see reality in terms of money will determine whether or not you're in the dark. How you see reality when it comes to financial things will determine whether or not you in the dark, are in the dark. And Jesus purposely puts this idea in conjunction with money because he knows oftentimes we view it so wrong. Jesus is taking this idea of this earthly reward, right, the stuff that we would store up here on earth, and this heavenly reward, the things that we could invest, the things that will last forever, and he actually pins them against each other, and he goes, now I want you to choose. I want you to choose what's going to take first place in your life. And if you have the ability to see that with your eyes, your whole body and and life will be filled with light. If not, it will be filled with darkness. Do you have the eye that can see the bigger picture to understand what is more valuable, the earthly reward or the heavenly reward? This is what Jesus is talking about. Your next fill-in. And if you are laying up treasures in heaven, you are walking in the light. You're walking in the light. And so as I was looking at, you know, some references of the eye, because I just think that whole idea is kind of weird, there's another par- parable in Matthew 20 where Jesus tells another story. And the story goes like this, that there was a, an owner of a field who hired a bunch of workers for the day's, for the day's work. And he said to each one of them, listen, I'm going to pay you this amount for the entire day of work. And the workers were like, great. And they went out and they worked. Well, it came 4 o'clock in the day, and there was only one hour left of work, and suddenly a new group of workers came. And Jesus said, hey, if you go work the next hour for me, I will pay you the same amount as I paid all the other people. They're thinking, oh, that's a pretty good deal. I'm going to do it. And so they went out to the field and they start working next to the people that have already been working all day. And they're like, oh, you're new. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, man, this has been hard work all day today. I'm glad we have some extra help, right? But there's only an hour left in the day. I mean, how much is he paying you? And they told him. And the ones that have been there all day thought, That's interesting. That's the same he's paying me. Wait a second. Wait a second here. And so all these workers went up to the landowner and they started complaining about how it's not fair that they get paid the same amount as everyone else. And Jesus in this moment says this one phrase, and I'm going to paraphrase it for you. And he basically asked this question. Is your eye bad because I'm good? In other words, he says, is your eye bad? So in the dark that you can't see the generosity and mercy of the master? You agreed to that wage, and they agreed to this wage, and now you're upset because I've decided to be generous and merciful with these other people. He's saying your eye is bad because you can't see the bigger picture. A good eye would see. See, these people were so worried about the money more than the relationship even with the landowner. They weren't even thinking about the next day and the next day and the next day, this guy that might be able to provide for them. They were more worried about today's wages and they wanted to complain about that. You see, a good eye would see that God is more precious than any amount of money. A healthy eye would see that our obedience in this one area means more than trusting in money. Because the truth of the matter is that he is actually the great treasure and he owns it Everyone say all. He owns it all. Your next fill in, a good eye is one that can discern the difference between value and worthlessness. It can see the difference between 
placing our trust in God or our money. And let me ask you a question. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you trusted in your money more than God? Has there ever been a point in your life that you trusted in your job to provide for you more than God to provide for you? Because even though someone else might sign your paychecks, can I tell you something this morning? That God is actually the one who signs all of your paychecks. You know why? Because the Bible tells us that God owns everything. In fact, he owns your company. He owns it all. He owns every dollar in the company that you work for. There is nothing that is out of his reach. There is nothing that he has not created and started in this world. Everything belongs to him. And so the last couple weeks, Cass, Jessica, Bruce, they did an awesome job sharing about what it means to make work matter. And I asked them if they would share about why they give to God financially. Watch this video real quick. The reason why Patty and I give is really the blessings that we receive from God. Uh, we've learned, I think at an early age too, the importance that we understand God has provided everything that we have, our abilities, and again, to be able to express back to Him our love and our gratitude for those things, to give back to the local church. We've also seen what uh, Riverway has been able to do with our ties and how we've been able to bless the community. And again, even in the tough times, we realize that it's still important to give back to God. Again, He's always there with us through the good and the bad. And again, uh, we just appreciate the opportunity to be able to do that for the satisfaction that it gives us. The first thing that comes to mind is the personal benefits that my husband and I have received from the local church in the difficult times that we've gone through and the consistent and really important support and encouragement and inspiration that we receive on a regular basis. And so on a personal level, um, that's one thing that inspires us to give and show our gratitude. And also our children have really benefited from the youth ministry. And I believe that their participation in that is an opportunity for them to have um, also inspiration and support in a way that we can't give to them on our own. And so Eric and I, uh, we give because we're grateful for the things that we benefit from um, through the church. But also we know that when we give, that same kind of support is going out to the community in a variety of different ways. So to put it simply, um, our needs have always been met and by giving we show our gratitude for that and in faith we give that our needs will continue to be met. Jessica and I give because we believe we've been blessed and it's our job to uh, allow for a blessing to be given back. And, and Riverway does such a great job giving back to the community uh, and so if there's any way we can help enable that um, through our giving. That's what we're excited about. Um, I will have to say, and this may be like many of you, that the way we gave in the past is we'd wait till all of our bills were paid and all of our entertainment was done, and then whatever was left over is what we gave. Um, and uh, the message about giving from your first fruits, meaning giving God at the beginning, is what really inspired us. Um, as we gave that, uh, we noticed that we were blessed in return. Uh, at work, uh, even when we just recently went through a house sale and we got more for our house than we ever thought we would, and different things like that. And it, 
God doesn't need our money, but he's looking for our trust. And so being able to give that uh, shows that we're placing our trust in God. So God doesn't need our money. He needs our trust. And we just believe that God provides in all kinds of different ways. He provides joy for us and hope and peace and favor and other intangibles that are invaluable to us. But we also see the Bible over and over and over again without apology that God will provide for us in the most tangible areas of our life. That he will provide our needs. Your next fill-in, that God has told us again and again in his word that he will be a provider for us. But there's a part that we have to play. There's a part that we have to play. And what is that part? Our part is honoring him with the first 10% of our income. I'll never forget that when there was a challenging time for Tara and I, we finally came to a point in our lives and we were in our you know, mid to late 20s uh, when we had to really decide if we were going to give to God or we were going to pay our bills. It was kind of that easy of decision. Uh, or it was that clear of a decision that we had to make. And especially this one time, I remember that we couldn't put two nickels together. And we had a bill that came for $170, and that's about what we had in our account. And we also needed to pay our 10% because I had just gotten paid. And so it's like, okay, do we pay God this 10% or do we pay this bill? And it was kind of a rubber meets the road moment for us in our lives. And this is what we talked about, and this is what we came back to. That either everything we believe is true or it's not. That either God will be our provider or he won't be. But it's time for us to find out for ourselves. And so we just decided in that moment that we were going to put God first. And we wrote out that tithe check, I don't know, $170 or whatever it was, and you know, we, we sent it in. And as God is my witness, the next day or two, we got a check in the mail from an overdue escrow that was like a year before that we had no idea was coming to us for the amount of $172. And I kid you not. I mean, when I opened the envelope, I showed it to Tara, and we both, our jaws just hung open. Like, how is that possible that in that moment that God would provide for us so quickly? And as our faith grew just a little bit there, then the next month, it wasn't as hard to trust him. Even though things were tight, we said, God, we know we're going to provide. And you know what happened? The next month, God came through again. And the next month, God came through again. And the next month, God came through again. And it was amazing. And our faith grew and grew and grew and grew and grew during that time. And I believe that that's the point that God wants to invite us into. He doesn't want something from us. He wants this for us, this relationship that we can trust him with every area of our life, including our money. And I would love it as your pastor to see every single person that attends this church choose wholeheartedly to trust God with their money. Because there is such a blessing on the other side, there's such a peace on the other side to know that God's in control. And over and over and over again, the Bible tells us that he is going to provide for us if we will put the first 10% to him. And you say, where do you get this 10%? Well, it's, it just means, the word tithe means 10%. And we find this verse in Malachi 3, 8 through 10, and it says this. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, well, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. And here's the solution that he gives. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. In other words, God's saying, bring your whole tithe into the place of worship that this place might reach more people that would invest more people in laying up treasures in heaven. 
And test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And so God instructs us to give the first 10%, and I love what Cass said. We used to give that it was the very last thing, whatever we had left over. But then we learned to give out of the first part of our income, and suddenly we began to see God's provision in our lives. And so we just find 10%. I have a very simple slide. For those of you math majors, you're going to love it. But, you know, for $300, all you do to find 10% is move the decimal point over one spot. That's it. And so 10% of $300 is $30. And so when you make $300, you say, God, this first $30, I'm not looking at anything else. God, I believe you gave me this job. I believe you gave us this income. And so this first $30 is yours. And I'm going to bring it into your house, and I'm going to give it with joy, knowing that this money is going to help reach so many more people. Maybe you remember the story of Abraham and how God asked him to give maybe the greatest sacrifice at all. He said, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. And here he is at the bottom of the hill in the valley looking at the mountain. He's got to climb with his son and he's got a bundle of sticks and they begin to climb and Abraham says, God, I'll give you anything, even if it means my son and it would tear me apart. But God, if you want him, I'll give him to you. And so he's climbing the mountain and, and, and his son keeps asking, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham kept saying, God will provide, God will provide, God will provide. And he gets up there and he takes his son Isaac and he binds him up and he lays him on the altar and he lifts the knife to strike him. And suddenly an angel of heaven says, stop, stop. I just wanted to make sure that you trust God. Look over in the thicket. And he looked over there and there was a ram stuck in the thicket. And suddenly God provided the sacrifice and he undid his son, you know, and I'm sure his son probably hated him the rest of his life, but then he took him that ram and he was scarred for life, but you know, he took that ram and put it up on the altar and God provided a sacrifice. And so it is with us. I love this quote from Stephen Furtick and it says this, before you get to the peak of provision, you must be found faithful in the valley of decision. What an amazing thought. Before God is going to provide what you need, you must be found faithful in the valley of decision. And every time you get a paycheck, guess what? You're in the valley of decision. Am I going to honor God with this money? Or am I not? And based on that one decision, will equal the provision of God in your life. So real quick, I want to illustrate this this way. Chris, will you come up and join me real quick? Yep, just run, run up here. Run up here, run up here, run up here, yep, yep. Here we go. So I want you to stand over here. Perfect. And uh, Chris, how much do you love bananas? You love them? Good, I'm so glad. Okay, and so this is how I kind of want to illustrate this, all right? And so um, this is kind of God, right? And and he's he's giving you provision. And he's saying, hey, man, you're working the nine to five. You still got your job, man, that's awesome. How am I giving you? That's five. Is that five? Is that five? Yep, there's six. Yep, seven and eight. And nine and ten. And look at this now, right? You're like, look at how all the bananas that the nice banana man gave him, right? I mean, dude, if it wasn't for the banana man, guess what? You wouldn't have any bananas. Isn't that true? All right, so here's the deal, man. I've given you ten bananas. This is what I'd like you to do to honor me. I want you to give me one of your bananas back. Would you be willing to do that? Okay, but here's the deal. Now, you're going to have the other nine, but... If you'll give me one, in addition to the nine, I can promise you that I'm going to keep providing bananas for you. What do you think? Pretty cool. Can I have one of your bananas back? Perfect. All right. So then he uses all the bananas or whatever, and the next week comes, right? And here comes some more bananas. Here we go, right? And there's one. And there's two. And there's three. 
Come on, man. And there's four. Don't be dropping the bananas. I'm giving you the bananas. And there's five. And there's six. And there's seven. And there's eight. And there's nine. And there's ten. Right? Perfect. Now, here's the deal. I just gave you another ten bananas. Isn't that awesome? Oh, if it wasn't for the banana giver, you wouldn't even have any bananas. And here's the deal. I just want you to give one banana back to me. And if you will give me one banana back to honor me, I'm going to keep the bananas flowing. How does that sound to you? Would you be willing to do that? Can I have one of your bananas back? Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for honoring me. I really appreciate that. Now, one day, the bananas are gone. Bananas are gone. And he's used all the bananas. And suddenly, he's looking at the banana giver. And the banana giver is going, I got plenty of bananas, but I I just want to wait a little bit. I just want to see if you trust me, man. Do you trust me? I know you need bananas, but do you trust me? We've had this cool relationship thing going. I said I would provide, right? You know what sometimes God will do? Sometimes he just tests us. He puts us in the valley of decision. Maybe it's through a lost job. Maybe it's income that slows down, an emergency that you weren't thinking of. And sometimes we can get angry with God and say, God, I thought you were going to provide for me, and I thought this and that, and I thought this and that, and suddenly God goes, hey, whoa, hold on. I still got you, man, in the palm of my hands. I still see that you need bananas. And you know what? Instead of just coming from me, I'm now going to use other people in your life to bless you. And suddenly there's going to be other people with bananas that are going to run up here and give bananas. That are going to run. That are going to run because time is running out in the service. They're going to run. And all of a sudden, these bananas come flying in, come flying in. And all of a sudden, amazing, right? God provided from all sorts of different areas. And here are these bananas. And suddenly, the bananas are full. And you look to the banana giver and the banana giver says this. Listen. No matter how I provide, will you continue to honor me? Because I helped, I helped all the resources come in. It might not have been how you thought it was going to be, but I took care of you. Would you be willing to honor me with one of your bananas? Now, here's the crazy thing. If I asked him how much trust he puts in the bananas, that would be silly, right? Do you trust in bananas? If I asked any of you, do you trust in bananas? I mean, you'd be like, what, are you kidding me? Are you, on, like, are you messed up in the head? Like, what's wrong with you? And in the same way, God would find it utterly ridiculous that we would place our trust in money instead of the money giver, instead of the provider, instead of the one whom all good things flow. And that's why our next fill-in says this. Thanks, Chris. You can drop your bananas and have a seat. Thanks, man. It says this. There is no power or living quality in money. And yet many of us put our trust in it. There is no power. There's no living quality in money. And yet we put our trust in it. And I love this verse in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. And it says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Or the stress of money. And be content with what you have. Because God has said. And here's where you get contentment. This is what God says. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So in turn, because we know the promise of God that he'll never leave us, we can say with, what's that word? What's that word? Come on, say it like you're confident. We can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. The money is not my helper. And that's your next feeling. The Lord is our helper. Money is not our helper. It has no power. It has no living quality. And that's why we can say with confidence, God has said, I will never leave you. I've got you in my hands, and I'm going to provide for you. 
The question is, will you continue to trust me? And wouldn't it be cool, as we get ready to wrap this thing up, wouldn't it be cool if we could make work matter this way? That of your 40 hours that you work in a week, 10% would be four hours. Wouldn't it be cool if you could go to work one day and say, God, for the next hour, anything I make, I'm dedicating to you to further your kingdom so that more people can hear about you and have hope and forgiveness in you. And so, God, I just want you to know the next hour that I work, I'm laying up treasures in heaven and not on earth. And this money, this first 10%, uh -uh, it's not going to me, it's not going to stuff, it's not going to entertainment, God. This first part belongs to you. Could you imagine the next day saying, God, one of my hours today, I'm dedicating to you to further your kingdom, to make a difference in that community, in those people's lives, in those kids, because I want to see people in heaven, a place where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal a human soul. And God, that's what I'm investing in four hours a week I'm going to give to you. Wouldn't that be awesome? Suddenly, we've just made work matter, haven't we? The money that we're making from work is actually changing lives now. What an amazing thought. In our last, last scripture that probably wraps up this whole series, Matthew 23, 23, and it says this. Jesus said, woe to you, whoa, 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 whoa. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, all the religious people. He said, hold on, religious people, church-going people. You hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, right? That's how they tithe oftentimes. Mint, dill, cumin. He says, you've given this, but now you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And this is what he says. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And here's what God is saying throughout this whole series. This is what he's saying. That if you can combine mercy, love, and action choosing God for confidence, letting go of insecurity or attitude, if you can combine that love in action piece and not neglect the 10% that you give of your finances to God, suddenly when those two things happen, we stay far away from that title of hypocrite as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. And suddenly our eyes have seen the bigger picture that God is at work and wants to use us to build his kingdom, to lay up treasures. And suddenly the Bible says that your whole body and life will be full of light because your eye has been wise enough to see the bigger picture. What an amazing thought. And so here's the question that I have for you. Where are you at when it comes to trusting God with your finances? Is your trust in bananas? Or is your trust in the banana giver? Because that will tell a lot about you. You know what it'll also tell me? It'll tell a lot about your future. It'll tell me a lot about the trust and relationship that you have with God. And so this is what I want to invite you into as we get ready to close today. And it's simply this, a 90-day tithe challenge for you. That you would talk with your spouse if you're married, if you're not, between you and God. And you'd figure out the 10%, you'd figure out the decimal point, and you'd say, God, for the next 90 days, we are going to choose to trust you and put you first. That means before we pay any bills, before we do anything, God, we're going to trust you with this income. Because we trust in you more than we trust in this stuff. I mean, how silly for us to trust in money that has no power or living quality to it. And so we'll put our trust in you. 
And here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to begin to trust God with your finances. And I want you to invite this into because I just want this for you. I want you to know how good it is when God just shows up and blesses you and he provides for you. I'm not talking about he's going to give you a Lamborghini tomorrow and something stupid like that. I'm talking about he is going to meet your practical needs. And he's going to allow your life to be a blessing towards other people. And there will be people in heaven one day because you decided to write a check and give the first four hours of your week to God. There will be people in heaven, and they might come up to you someday and say, thank you so much for giving. That enabled me to come to know Christ. You laid up treasures in heaven. Thank you for doing that. And so for 90 days, I want to challenge you. And here's my promise to you, that in the next 90 days, that if you don't see God's provision in your life and you don't see your faith growing, we will give every penny back to you. Every penny. And why do I want to throw a guarantee on that? Because I know God and his word. And I know he's done it for me. And I'm no different than you. In fact, I'm probably even more messed up than some of you sitting out there. You should be the ones up here talking, okay? I mean, let's just have an honest moment. And if he'd do it for me, I know he would do it for you. And this is what I want to invite you into, a trust of God with your finances. So this is what we're going to do. For 30 seconds, I want you to either talk to God or talk to your spouse and just ask this question, what are we going to do in trusting God? What are we going to do, okay? So talk to God and talk to each other for the next 30 seconds. Can we do that right now? So either eyes closed or eyes open, doesn't matter, but just 30 seconds, you and God or you and your spouse, let's do that right now. pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to make work matter. And we know one of the greatest ways that we will make it matter is if we take some of those dollars and invest it in heaven where no one can take it. And we know that you haven't just asked this of your followers, you've instructed us to do it. And so now, God, give us a spirit of obedience, as, even as difficult and the unknowns that lie in front of us. But what about this? What about that? God, I pray that today there'd be such a spirit of obedience in this room that would take that step towards you and that you would show yourself faithful as we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. And so it's in you we trust today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen.